Welcome to the Embodiment Industry Leaders Podcast with your host, Asher Rubenstein. In this podcast, I chat with some of the most gifted embodiment practitioners and some of the most successful entrepreneurs in our industry. We explore the major challenges and the new opportunities to get ahead in healing, in growth, and in business. So sit back, relax, and listen in for some really powerful wisdom on how you can become a better coach, a better facilitator, and a more successful entrepreneur. Hi, legends. Asher here. Live with Lisa today. Phenomenally talented copywriter. Uh, for coaches, facilitators, thought leaders, consultants, practitioners, and we're going to be answering your questions. I've been asking you to give me questions about social media and how to do it well, how to do the right strategy, how to do it authentically in a way that really inspires people to buy and also stays true to who you are. And we've got Lisa coming on. She's just a phenomenally gifted woman who's been working with a lot of the greats. So we're going to have a really rich chat about how to do this stuff. Lisa, hello. Hello. Welcome, welcome. Hello, Ash. Thank you for having me. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. So Lisa, Lisa runs a copy, a, a social media content creation agency and is herself a really talented copywriter. She, it's called Sacred Social Media. We've worked together on the spiral and other projects in the past and she's just a pleasure to work with and like actually knows her shit when it comes to marketing on social media so we're going to be having some rich chats and we're going to talk about tone how to how to refine your tone on social media we're going to talk about what to say how to come up with new ideas things to talk about we're going to talk about strategy organic versus paid marketing options and how to batch create content so you're not trying to create content every single day we're going to talk about investing in marketers and a marketing team we're going to have some like rich talks hi lisa welcome hello to see you. thank you for celebrating me ash you always have the most lovely things to say um and you make me see myself in even higher light every time you talk about me. I'm like, oh, yeah. <laughs> She's cool. <laughs> Thank you. She, she is cool. And <laughs> it's not something I do with everyone. So take it. Take it. It's real. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Yes, I am very aware you have a large pool of people that you could be having this conversation with. Um, and the fact that you invited me on to talk about it is just, yeah, super humbling, super awesome. And I'm, I'm very keen to have great gymnastics with you. I always love our chat. They always go to a good place. Okay, so let's, let's dive in. Yeah. Let's, let's, let's talk about in. some marketing. So on the topic of tone, I've had a lot of people trying to walk that fine line of selling and being confident and and really um, emphasizing the value of what they have to offer and being a role model for their audience but wanting to come across as authentic and not always having all their shit together and wanting to be honest about that too and and being worried about uh, pretending to be something and finding that blend of how much how much of my messiness should I share uh, on social 
media and how much should I just show the bits that are like a good example for my audience? Yeah, what are your thoughts on that? Oh my gosh, I feel like there are three threads in that question. Um, and I'm just going to speak to them as they come to me. So the first thing is that, you know, you touched on that age old marketing dilemma around, you know, how much of my authority do I show and how much of my vulnerability do I show? And um, how do I retain my humility while also owning what I do as an expert? Um, and this is a constant dance, right? Because we need to provide a certain level of authenticity and vulnerability about the reality of our lives in order for people to trust us, right? Good marketing is about building trust. It's about getting people to understand your brand the way that it actually is and not always just what you'd like it to be, but actually what it is. So, and in order to, for people to feel that congruence, there has to be a level of, of authenticity and sharing about what's going on and what's real. And the balance then is, okay, I've got certain aspects of my life that are a mess. How do I retain my expertise while also showing that I'm an expert? And, you know, I've, I've personally traversed this as somebody who is a business owner, who writes copy, who shares about my expert experience, as well as my very, very human aspects. Um, and you would have seen that I don't necessarily shy away from telling people when something's going quite shitty in my life. And, you know, there are people that experiment with this in different ways and can go too far one way or the other. And I think the answer to it is balance and context. So I think on the continuum of how how much are you sharing about your expertise? How much are you sharing about your mess? If you're only sharing about your mess, that's actually not authentic, you know, because your life isn't all mess and everything isn't just terrible. And there are still things that you're doing well, okay? So it's actually not this continuum of, you know, if I'm not sharing about the mess, um, I'm not being authentic or it's, a, it's actually also inauthentic to only share about the mess because that's not true either. The other area is, you know, if you're only sharing your successes, if you're only sharing what's going well, if you're only sharing how amazing you are, that's also not um, completely authentic either. And that's not necessarily going to build trust. No one is going to believe that everything is going well all the time. Now, you may also, to be a really positive person for example i you know i have a positivity bias that could you know sell magic to magicians probably and that's really western like that that keeps the sun shining in my life and that's really great at the same time you know there has to be healthy acknowledgement of reality and you know you can be grateful and you can share your gratitude even in the worst parts of the storm and you can also provide a healthy acknowledgement of, you know, the fact that there are challenges. And you can speak to those challenges without necessarily having to go into detail. So I think balance is important. I also think that context is important. Okay. So if you're, if you're expert in a certain area, for example, uh, if you're an expert marketer or you're, expert, let's say, relationship coach, right? Let's say you're an expert relationship coach. You, and you're wanting to share about some of the difficulties maybe in your 
health or maybe in your business or maybe in some other area of your life where you don't actually need mastery in order to retain your expert status, right? So that that's one area that you can kind of, you can do that. You can, you can basically look at the context of like, what do I need to be a master in? What do I need to be an expert in? And then choose to share in other areas about your life and choose to share about your vulnerability in other areas of your life that you don't actually need that expert status in because people aren't hiring you for your health goals. They're hiring you for your relationship goals, right? Um, or your relationship mastery. You know, it's like an expert master need to have every area of their life sorted to be able to help you. Okay. Now there might also be a case where there's a relationship expert who also does have issues and mess in their own relationships, right? That's true. That's going to happen. Just because we're a master doesn't mean we have all the answers to everything. So in that case, it's about how can you create value? How can you take what you've learned, the mastery skills that you have and create value for your audience? You know, because generally someone who is a, like, at a certain level of mastery about something is going to be able to face the issue and move through it much more quickly than somebody else that doesn't have that mastery and and so it's about facing that issue and then sharing it with your audience in a way that is accelerating their journey and helping them to break into the mindset of someone who does have the tools to actually navigate this stuff it's actually and i think this is the fallacy it's actually not about things never being hard it's about how we deal with them. And when you have a certain level of mastery, you deal with them in a way that is completely different and much more constructive. So that, that, that's part of my answer. Beautiful. Yeah, there were so many little gold nuggets in that. But one, one of the pieces that I really loved is that um, it's the framing of how we share our vulnerability and our messiness. You know, you can, you can share your vulnerability and your messiness and you can say, I've got a problem. I don't know how to solve but I'm giving up, I feel hopeless, I feel exhausted, I'm not going to take any help. You know, that we can, we can share from the pits of despair and we can share from a place of empowerment. We can say, okay, I've got a problem. I'm feeling pain, I'm feeling suffering, I'm confused. And I'm also committed to finding a way out and I know that I have it within myself and within the support of my community to move through it. And just your... your relationship to your messiness really just says everything because we all have problems and it's not just about the problems that we face it's how we show up for them that really shows the strength of our character so i love that piece and i'll, I'll offer my own take on it which is first and foremost if we're marketing on social media eventually we're going to try and sell something so like it, it really comes down to firstly what is the impact on the audience, right? How are we actually going to sell something? And in order to sell, you need to help people see. We got Max instance said, just because we are a master doesn't mean we have all the answers to everything. Absolutely. Yes. And the reality is none of us have the, all the answers to everything. And if we pretend that we do, it, it actually makes things a lot harder for us because we're creating this image that we then have to defend and protect and it can separate us from our authenticity and yeah I want to speak to that I was going to talk about the impact on the on the audience but I'll start by talking to the impact on us if we feel like we have to hide all of our messiness from everyone 
then by definition, we're going to be pretending to be something that we're not. And that is psychologically challenging. It's really hard. Sometimes I'll write a post because I'm afraid of the impact of posting it. Because always, I know, people are way more uh, forgiving and non-judgmental than I perceive them to be. And every time I post something vulnerable and scary and I see people giving me support or just not even noticing, um, and the world not ending, I grow a little bit more confident and certain in myself. So I think it's really important just to have that degree of honesty for our own mental health. So that, that's a piece of impact on us. It's important to you to be able to share the truth so that you're not trying to hide from people. It will give you the confidence and that it's like shame, shame dissolves when we share it with people who we value and who care about us. Um, so that's, that's, and there's a whole other talk about who, uh, do the people on social media actually value and care about you? That's a whole other topic. I'll set that aside. But yeah, I think sharing and, and transparency builds courage. And by the way, if you're watching this and you want to make a comment or add to the conversation or ask a question, feel free to do that. But I want to come back to your audience. Like, what is the impact on your audience? In order to sell something, you need to have people knowing you and trusting you that you really know what you're talking about. So you want to demonstrate some degree of authority and competence and ability and also courage and um, the right attitude and the, uh, the right emotional range to meet the challenges that your audience is facing. But at the same time, it's not just about building um, like I am the master of everything. It's also about building trust and building human connection because you're not just a faceless band, you're a human being and people want to feel your authenticity. So layering in pieces of honesty and truth and, and, um, and courage and vulnerability is, is also really powerful for building that connection with you. So as Lisa said, we want to build that blend. We want to have authority and strength and a good example for the people who you want to help. And also the vulnerability and the humanness and to find the blend. The other piece is you can really see what people are engaging with and how people are responding. You'll notice on social media, people go very responsive to things that feel really authentic and really true and really personal. Um, so, so sharing your story and sharing your, your hero's story and your challenges is really very powerful and I, and I would encourage it. Hundred percent, and I think the the word you use at the beginning, Ash, was tone. You know, what's the tone? And I feel all of us have an inner child that doesn't like to be told we're wrong and that we're doing a shit job. And at some point, if someone's marketing is constantly carrying an undertone of like I'm better than you, and the way you're doing things is wrong, and my way is better, those sensitive beings that we are and those you know those little parts of us that that want to be recognized and respected are potentially going to start tuning out as well you know yeah it you know it might might join people who haven't moved through their wounding and and kind of like are creating those those former patterns and and seeking out mentors that are going to kind of continue those those patterns but if you want kind of to be attracting people that are healthy and wanting respect 
and you know have that healthy ego speaking to them as a, a fellow human on the journey and and that you're sharing your journey with them and you're doing what you can in your marketing to support them on their journey with your with your yeah. real with your wisdom with your experience with your lessons well put well put cool i feel like that's a wrap on that question does that feel complete for you on that one it does yeah i feel like that was a big one great great so the next one is i'm afraid of being judged on social media if i sell too much I'm afraid of coming across as salesy and hurting my brand. How do I meet that challenge? This is a big one, isn't it? Um, you know, I think many of us have, and I would say the word trauma around sales experiences where our consent has not been considered, our experience of safety has been considered. There is that salesman, right? And I really love the way that that's being changed. So basically in order to, um, yeah, in order to stand out, share a message and also call in sales without necessarily having to go salesy, I do think there's definitely a way to do it. I do think there's a way to do it. Um, so, you know, when you're online and, you know, people are aware that you have an offer or a product or it's something that you're selling. You, there are lots of people who will have a call to action for every single one of their posts when they're in launch mode and that can work really well for them and their brand. And I do think when you get to a certain level of having curated your audience, you can actually get away with that. You know, for example, if, if you've kind of created an audience where the expectation is that if you stay here, I'm going to sell to you and that's how it is, then, then you can get away with that and it's fine. If you're still in the, in the middle of building your business and your online presence as a business, it's totally understandable that you don't want to be smashing people every day with a, with a, a direct call to action. And so I guess this is where the, the building of value in your networks is really important and spending a lot of time, you know, adding those value posts that are building up your personal brand story, that are giving tips to your audience, that are sharing wisdom, that are leading them on a journey um, to more empowerment so that they're in, you know, they're in a bit better place by being in your newsfeed. They actually are getting a higher quality of life a higher level of access to education and wisdom by being in your newsfeed. And, you know, in exchange for that, you're allowed to offer your services, right? It, it, it does become a fair exchange system where, hey, like I'm going to give you some free value and in exchange, do you mind every now and then that I'm, I'm posting some direct sales so that you can come and get more help if it feels resonant to you. There are also ways of actually selling without actually having to sell all the time um, a direct service. So, you know, that can be a call to action onto your newsletters. It can be a call to action to free items that link people to your newsletter lists. It can be, you know, jumping on a sales call with you, which is more of an invitation rather than necessarily a sell a hard sell like there are lots of ways that you can do the soft selling that is really just helping give people an opportunity to get to know more about you or for you to add more value in a different way um, which 
is an invitation. You know, it's not that you're saying do this. It's like, if you're in this situation, you know, here's some ways that you can get more support um, for free or for a, a lower tier price. Um, I think the ratio of, you know, when you're just kind of posting um, content and building your brand and to selling, you know, that's something to talk more about and to work out what those actual ratios are of like how much brand building do you do? How much selling do you do when you're not in a launch period, when you are in a launch period, all of that is important to think about. Um, but I think if you start with like, I just want to add value and every single post I do is about how I can add value, then regardless of whether it has a CTA on the end, people are going to be okay with it, I believe, because they're, they're going to, if they're entertained, if they love it, if they feel relief or in touch with their humanity from reading what you've shared, whether or not you have a CTA at the bottom is, is up to you. And um, there are strategies of, of actually minimising the direct call to action being so prevalent in the post and, and maximising the storytelling aspect. You know, that, by the way, this is happening by the way if you want to know more let me know so yeah there are there are definitely ways to do it and like anything it's about give and take so if you have that energy of give and take with your audience they're going to feel that um they they're going to know if you don't care about them and you're just trying to sell <laughs> they're going to know if you you are trying to connect with them and it's genuine and um more often than not they will start to see your offers as an opportunity as opposed to something that you're forcing down their throat. Well put, well put. So many good points there. I'm going to dive straight into my take on this. And that is that if, if someone feels like you're being salesy, um, it's because there's a mismatch between the level of connection that you're trying to have with them and the level of connection that they feel that they have with you when your audience is really connected to you and you sell to them, it, it, it's a gift. It's like, oh my God, great. Finally, they're selling something I want in. I've been building my desire and my anticipation for this thing for months. Finally, take my money, go. That's where we want to get to. And that's a journey. You don't just pitch your offer right away. You warm people up and you give them value and you nurture the relationship so that when you sell, it's, it's, expected and hoped for. So how do I not sound salesy? Well, a lot of the selling happens before you're actually officially selling or naming any products. And, and you take your audience on the journey. I call it the buying bucket. So the, it's the consumer awareness spectrum in marketing textbooks. So the first thing is them just understanding that they have a problem and, and feeling the awareness that the problem actually exists. And you informing them of that and helping them see what's actually happening underneath their surface symptoms, that's a gift, that's an insight. And that can be communicated entertainingly, controversially, humorously, like you can be pouring value into their lives and giving them self-awareness and, and moving them along that journey of building the relationship with you. Once they know they have a problem, then they need to know what they want. They need to see the alternative to having a problem which is the promise. It's like showing an example of, hey, you don't have to stay stuck. There's a new way of being, it's great, it's possible. This is what it looks like. 
and you can build uh, an inspiration in a person or an excitement about something that they didn't even realize was possible. Again, that's a gift. That's a value to them. But you're selling. You're selling. You're helping them mature along the path to the point where they want to buy what you have to offer. So it's beneficial for them and it's also achieving your marketing goals. Once they know what they want to achieve, then it's about the pathway. Well, there's a million different pathways I could take. Which pathway is the best one for me? And, and helping them sift through the pathways and understand what, which options for action are good for them. And, and I do, like if they're the right audience for you, it's gonna be your pathway um, and helping them realize that if they're a good fit for your services. And once they know the problem and they're desiring the promise and they're on board for the pathway, when you sell to them, of course, it's like, great, I found a product that's going to help me get from A to B along the journey that I want to take. So to think about selling, not just as naming a product, but actually giving value, giving value, giving value. And then the, the product is like the cherry on the cake. Love it. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> Love to hear from people. If you're getting any value, what is your biggest takeaway? If you want any questions answered on these topics, I'd love to hear it. And I'll just keep talking, but feel free to comment below if you have any questions. Mm. So let's, let's move on to the next question. I'm running out of ideas to, I'm, I'm launching, I'm launching a product. I've got a, an eight week launch, I'm four weeks in and I've run out of things to say. I don't know what to tell my audience and I'm a bit stuck. How, how can I come up with new ideas to create content? Mm, that's, yeah, that's a, a common one, isn't it? My, my first thing would be to, to say, uh, to tune into what is, what is present what is true and what is alive right now, you know? Um, we obviously have an infinite amount of thoughts and ideas and experiences that we could write about and not all of them are going to feel relevant and alive. Um, and, you know, so if you were to ask me, you know, should I write my brand story today or should I write about the leaf that just fell off the tree and how it reminds me of the changing seasons of life? If, if the, the leaf falling off the tree is creating an emotion for you that feels real and human, I would suggest that one. I would suggest talking about the thing that is feeling relevant and true to you and, and working out how that thing that is true and relevant to you in this moment uh, links to your greater mission. Um, you know, I do believe that anything that you write can be linked back to your greater mission, can, which hopefully if you've created an offer that is linked to your greater mission, then there's a natural connection between the thought that you just had, the way you want to help people, the offer that you have, and the greater mission that you serve and that your business serves. And when you're in, when you have that level of congruence in your life and you're living in alignment with that purpose, essentially every bit of content idea or thought that comes into your head can be linked back to your purpose and your offer because it's, it's all part of it. Mm. it so the answer is you can write about anything and find a way to link it to your offer and your purpose explicitly 
Yeah, I love that lace. Yeah. The thing I love about that is because it, it keeps it relevant, keeps it alive. It, it keeps showing you as you are and it's maintaining that connection with your audience. I like that. It's mm. awesome. Yeah. yeah. I, there are obviously frameworks that we can use to guide us. You know, there are definitely strategic posts that we can write and we can kind of do a little carousel of like, okay, it's time to post time to post a celebration, it's time to post a client win, it's time to post an offer, like totally, we can do that. And and also if you're really in that place of like, I just don't know where to start, just start where you are. That's a really good place to start. Mm, yeah, yeah. I Poppins or someone from The Sound of Music now, don't I? <laughs> just start where you are. <laughs> just start where you are. Just start where you are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll give one of those frameworks that you spoke to, because I think this can be really helpful. Um, if I'm really stuck, I will actually get a friend to interview me and I will be my soulmate client. The person who's watching, thinking about buying, unsure, un unclear, sitting on the fence, and I will answer from the perspective of my client because then I can really tune into my empathy and speak to them where they're at or where I believe that they're at and the questions that I will get my interviewer to ask me are around as I said the consumer awareness spectrum and objections so the first questions are around what is your problem when it comes to this thing that Ash is selling what's your problem and how do you feel about it and I'll, I'll answer that question and I'll embody the experience of my target audience. And then the question around what do I desire? What, what's my goal? Where do I want to get to? If I bought Ash's thing and it was the best thing ever, what would the outcome be for me? And I started answering that. And as I'm answering it and connecting with my audience and get out of my own head, I actually start to get, understand what's relevant and significant to them. What are the hot topics that they're thinking about? And I start to jot them down and that, and that becomes content for me to write about. That's an entry point into their world. And then I start uh, again to the, to the pathways. That's the third step is like, how do I want to get there? Hmm. And, and this is where it gets really interesting. This is where we can write some really juicy stuff because once I'm clear on what my pathways are, then I get to my obstacles. And, and, and the question is what's stopping me? from achieving that result? What's stopping me? What's the scary thing that's getting in the way? So I'm running a marketing retreat and we're asking a question around how to come up with more content. And someone genuinely asked that, but the reason why I chose that question is because it's a common obstacle. It's a thing that blocks people from creating successful marketing. And that's, that's how we came up with that content idea. So listing all the reasons why they don't believe it's possible for them. Is it too expensive? Is it too time draining? Is it too energy draining? Is it, um, is it not possible for them because they're too traumatized or uniquely broken? Is it um, rejected by their societal values? Is it gonna threaten their relationships? Understanding all of those objections and, and, and just speaking as if you're the audience, I'm scared of this, I'm scared of this, I'm scared of this. In no time, you'll have a list of like 10 or 20 things that are highly relevant to write about where you can address those fears and address those objections 
and help them discover what's possible um, so that they can move further along their own journey and also so that they can actually feel safe to buy the thing that you're offering. Mm. I think that was pretty good. I think that was pretty good. <laughs> it really, it's a very powerful exercise. Yeah. Sounds very sacred social media I must say. <laughs> oh yeah, do you, do you run that process with your clients? I, I, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> yeah. Cool, cool, cool. Good. But I mean, I mean, we've always known that, you know, understanding the fears and aspirations of our, of our clients is important. And obviously, yeah, deepening our empathy into actually like embodying what our soulmate client actually is feeling like that that is that is brilliant that is brilliant mm. an amazing process to to invite people into and you know that's why that's why you know avatar interviews and things like that are so valuable because you know the more we can understand people and connect to their real life struggles and issues like the better our marketing is going to be and it sounds like that's yeah that's what you're gonna help people with just say yeah I think the other benefit of, of that process is it just gets you out of your own head. Like yeah. when we're launching, we can get stuck in these little wormholes about worrying about how people are going to view us. Mm. When we start connecting with the audience and feeling their feelings, it's like a side step around those insecurities to really touch on what's alive for them. So it can be helpful. Beautiful. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> Do you <laughs> You want to high five yourself, Ash? I feel like you do. <laughs> Boom, nailed it. That's <laughs> here. Did you see that? <laughs> well done. Uh, well, let's, let's move on to the next question. So, this one's about batch creating content. I've heard a lot of people stress, and by the way, you don't need to be the first person to answer. If you want me to go first, we can switch it up if you want. Yeah, um, until as well, yeah. Mm -hmm. Cool. So batch content creation, like people are creating social media. It's for a lot of people, it can be like, they feel like they have to divide their attention between actually being a practitioner and giving what they're giving and marketing. And it's like, I want to be a practitioner, but I'm somehow becoming a marketer. Like this is, seems to be all I do all the time. I'm just in front of a screen when actually I want to help people with their relationships or their sexuality or whatever it is that you offer. And so they think we think about batch creation as a possibility. It's like, instead of having to create marketing content every day, set aside a block of time, create a whole lot of content. And then um, you don't have to think about marketing all the time. You can schedule it. You can get a VA to post it. You can post it yourself pretty quickly. And it just means that, that we can get in deep flow in marketing and then we get in deep flow around creation and, and serving our customers. So there's less task switching all the time. So, you know, I've, I've heard this desire around batch content creation, but um, there's a concern of like, I don't, I don't know where to start. I don't know how I feel a little bit intimidated there's there's a bit of a hurdle and it's like wanting to get a clear pathway that feels accessible 
around batch content creation so that it's not, it's just, it doesn't seem so daunting. So what are your views on batch content creation? What's a good way to get started? What do you recommend? Well, it's funny because the irony is my first instinct is say, oh, don't worry about batching content because, you know, I personally don't do it. But then I think about what I do for my clients, which is essentially batching content, you know, like I'm writing bulk content for them and sending it to them so they can schedule it out, which is exactly what batching is, you know. So, yeah, obviously batching is an effective way <laughs> um, to remove the stress of your business so that you're not having to just constantly be on the fly thinking about things. Um, I know there are some people who will batch kind of like a full day and they will do, you know, one or two weeks of content in a day because, um, you know, basically that's how far ahead they can see into their business. But for a more established business, you know, where you have pretty clear brand values, pretty constant offers, you can probably schedule out a bit further than that, you know, because in, you know, in the early stages of entrepreneurship, people can, can change their mind every couple of weeks. They're still emerging in what they want to talk about and what they want to share. So definitely, um, I think in terms of like creating consistency, it's really valuable because, you know, there are going to be days where you just don't feel like showing up. And if you've already got a system in place, um, really awesome because then you've got content coming out even on the days when you don't feel like doing anything um you know for for myself and i guess for um for anyone who asks me this question i like to say making it a beautiful process i think is really important um you know having your own little ritual lighting a candle um doing something that's going to make the process feel easeful and joyful and magical for you so that you're you're not feeling like it's grind work and hustle work. Um, I, I think probably a good idea is to write a whole bunch of flow kind of posts ideas and then take maybe an hour to edit them out into, into other posts, like into maybe eight or 10 posts. Um, I, I do think that, you know, the more you can try and censor yourself or have the perfect post at the beginning, it can be harder to get a quantity out that's like big enough to batch. So really, totally. yeah, taking those expectations of yourself um, off the table and going, hey, like, it's okay, I can always edit it back later. Just like let the ideas flow. Um, you know, maybe having like a little brainstorm session of, of different things you might talk about and flesh each one out, maybe have a timer or something like that, whatever's gonna work for you. Um, yeah, I, I think, I think little things like that can help, but I, I definitely think that, um, yeah, it, it's really personal. I think it's really personal, um, you know, to, if you really want to keep on the aliveness of like posting what feels relevant to you each day, I totally respect that as well. Um, and I'm, I'm actually really there for my own business. And, and also I totally respect batching as well because you can still, really initiate yourself into a deep feeling of presence and awareness and right from that place and have that content be really alive for for the fault you know the following two weeks when it's scheduled or however long yeah, yeah. does that kind of answer the question i feel like i just spoke yeah i mean yeah i mean there was loads of gold like like um you know setting up a space for yourself 
and an energetic space and an emotional space and having a bit of process around that so you can get in the flow like that that in and of itself is gold like not just sitting down and trying to write because we want to get in the right energy Mm. that really really spoke to me and then you know you, you just casually riffed off whole bunch of things that are extremely important and valuable like you don't even you don't even realize the the sophistication of the techniques that you're using like that this is all really really good stuff yeah Mm -hmm. and yeah i know that that's that's definitely going to be part of the magic of of you know the upcoming retreat where people will be in a in a place that is relaxed and and you know yeah that's really cool yeah i'll i'll speak about the retreat so catalyst is coming up that's um part of the reason why we're doing this interview is because um i'm launching a seven day content creation like marketing training business incubator embodiment retreat nature immersion embodiment beautiful nourishing thing um in feb for entrepreneurs, for thought leaders, for coaches, facilitators, online entrepreneurs. And um, it's really designed around getting you super clear on your marketing strategy, what you're offering, who you're selling to, what your marketing strategy is, and then actually getting you into content creation in a place where you've got zero distractions, everything is taken care of you, delicious food, comfortable accommodation, and you don't have your kitchen there to clean when you want to procrastinate. Um, and we break up the day with dance and embodiment and, and self-care so that you can stay in flow. Um, so, so for those of you who are interested in, in coming with a group of people of inspired entrepreneurs and doing this together, um, the links are everywhere. I'll put a link in the comments of this, um, chat. Um, but I'll come back to this, this question on content, on batch content creation. How do we do batch content creation? I think the first piece is to make some decisions before you sit down and write. We're not just like haphazardly writing a whole lot of pieces of content. We're actually thinking about what are our broader business goals? Mm. Are we experimenting to see what lands with our marketplace? Mm. Are we growing our audience, getting more followers? Are we nurturing our audience, like preparing the followers that we have? Or are we actually selling something and launching, getting really clear on where you're at? And then you kind of just keep chunking down and make narrower and narrower and narrower decisions. Like what channels am I posting on? How often do I want to post? What are my content themes? There are just these, these questions that are like the next step, the next domino question. And with all those questions answered, it, it actually becomes really clear what to write about. And we can just write and write and write or talk and talk and talk or dance and dance and dance, whatever you do. Um, because all of these messy, complex questions have been decided. So I think that that's a key piece is making the strategic decisions in advance and not just trying to sit down and write. And then the next piece is the psychology is like embodying the qualities of a, um, of the person who you want to show up as, um, and bringing awareness and compassion. Mm. for the parts of you who don't give a fuck about marketing or want to get as far away as possible Mm. Um, and having that integration and that self-care the psychology the energetics in place 
I think mm. those, those two pieces, strategy and energetics, mm. once they're in place, the actual execution becomes a lot easier. Yeah. I love that piece that you've just said around, around deciding on the strategy and then allowing the other stuff to emerge from an embodied place. It's, 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 it's masculine and feminine. It's holding and it's intuitive. It's structure and flow. I love that. Exactly. Exactly. You know, I see a lot of like marketing bros going really hard on the direct action marketing and sell, sell, selling, and it just doesn't hit. It's like, I feel like you don't get me mm. and do you even get you right now? Um, it's icky. Um, and then I, I also see people on the other side who are, who are deeply embodied, inspired, self-connected, self-aware people, but their marketing sucks because they don't use any structure or strategy or framework. And I want to do both. Let's, let's do both. Um, that's really the invitation of this retreat. That's it. And I, I just, want to say how much i love that it exists like that you're bringing this into the world i've never heard of anything else like this really um in an in a physical space and i think a lot of people in the world struggle to really land in their bodies um you know i do think it's quite a niche industry that's emerging and you know like some of the people that we know and perhaps maybe even ourselves are like the, the people holding the torch for this stuff and the power of it and so really like rewriting that that bro marketing story and and showing people another way where they can get in touch with their own power in their bodies is just yeah really really cool it's really really cool and it's also turning on its head that like a retreat just needs to be all about relaxation because it's like actually we can relax and we can like do business stuff like why not Totally, totally. Mm. Thank you, Lisa. Thank you for seeing it. Mm. Um, yeah. Lisa's going to be running a masterclass on copywriting mm. and specifically looking into Facebook and Instagram, maybe touching on email. We're still working out the details. Um, mm. And yeah, she's going to be a part of the team who is going to be mentoring the content, content creation people who come to the retreat. I want um, I'm thanks for this. I'm online. Like, I want to be there. Anyway, we'll talk about that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I would love for you to be there as well. So, um, look, if, if you've gotten value out of what we've shared and you have any questions, feel free to message. Um, and if you're considering going to the retreat, you can send me a private message. I'll send you the details. Or you can get the link to the website on my Facebook profile. Um, February. 5th to the 11th, Catalyst Retreat. Um, thanks for joining. Lisa, thank you so much. Appreciate your time and your genius. Um, yeah, hope you have a beautiful day. That's it. We're all good. No more questions. We've satisfied the people. I think we've satisfied the people. Yeah, I had a couple more, but I want to respect your time and finish on the dot. So I think we can wrap it up there. Okay. All right. No problem. And thank you very much, Ash. I am happy to do a round if you'd like, but if, if we're done, we're done. Another round. One more question. <laughs> I'm happy to. It's fine. Okay. Mm. Let's do one more. Let's do one more. For an entrepreneur who is 
like super passionate, skilled, mm -hmm. like, like they've, they've, they've been trained, they've seen clients, they, they haven't yet, like, I just hear this, this issue, this dilemma all the time. It's like, I need a marketer to help me make sales to get more money, but I need more money to hire a marketer to help me make sales. And it's like this chicken or the egg and they get stuck at that point for a long time. Mm -hmm. I'm curious about that. Like, what are your thoughts on that? How do, how do we move past that challenge? Well, I'm curious to hear your thoughts on that. <laughs> sure. My, okay. My thoughts are, yeah, I mean, you're always going to have to start somewhere, right? And I think, I think making sure that you've got a quality product is important um, because then you can really invest in marketing and know that it's going to pay off and have a return, right? Um, I can understand the dilemma where you don't, you're not sure if you have a quality product or service or experience. And of course, you're going to be sensitive to invest marketing money into it because you don't know if it's going to have a return because you don't know if, if people are actually going to want what you're selling. So if you've gone through those stages of having done a few pilots or offered, you know, a couple of people what what you're doing for free, gotten some feedback, you know, sold it for a low-end price and increased the price a little bit, and you're getting the sense that it's, it's a good thing, um, I would recommend that, you know, you do actually see your business as something that it requires investment. Like, you're going to need to invest on something in in order to grow your business, having a business account or a fund where, you know, maybe even at the beginning you have another job that isn't your actual business in order to top up that fund so that you can incrementally invest in your business. Um, because at some point for a successful business, you will need to have a basic or sophisticated understanding of marketing or you'll need to outsource it to someone who does, who can advise you, support you, um, in that way. So I, I do think there are definitely things that you can do to ensure that you've already gotten to a place where you're like, you have a product that's quality and you're at a place that you can hold that and deliver on that. Um, and also like there is going to be a time where marketing is something that, that you need to, that you need to focus on. Um, and, um, I know that, you know, there's, there's that question around, when do I do organic? When do I do paid marketing? Obviously, like, you know, we're in an age where you're really lucky where organic marketing is, is free and you can post online for free. And so as long as you have basic marketing understanding, then, then you can post um, and you don't have to make a high level of investment. Once you start to grow and you're in that paid marketing area where you want to amplify the content that you have, um, then basically, like that will require some investment um, and it will require a more sophisticated level of knowledge. So the answer is if you're serious about your business and you don't have the funds, create new streams of income to support what you need to do to have those skills because you will need them. Yeah. <laughs> That's my answer. would love to hear your answer. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I think the piece around like, not putting the pressure on yourself to have to just do your business, your passion business. If you haven't figured out 
how to make consistent sales that are profitable to give yourself permission to work to support that until it's it's self-sustaining is like so important so important yeah um like i think this all hinges on like where you are along the business journey and the key thing to consider is like product message market fit product message market fit do you have a product where if you were to say hey i have this product it would be like great i want to buy it here's my money that's product fit message fit is when you write about the product or talk about the product does it resonate for people and they're like oh cool i want to jump in a sales call or go to your sales page so this is like product message market fit once you have those things and you've seen in the real world that they're actually generating sales um you can with confidence go to a marketer and say hey here's here's my money pour gasoline on the fire let's scale this up and and make a money machine and and help millions of people great before you're at that point there's experimentation where are finding the product like what it is that you're actually selling and where are finding the messaging around the product so that you can connect with your audience and we're also refining your audience we might even be tweaking who it is that you're actually talking to and before then the risk around investing money in a marketer is higher because we don't have that degree of certainty that it's going to land so like what I see is practitioners or entrepreneurs become successful marketers in their own right to the point where they have product market fit and then they hire marketing teams to help amplify because and a brilliant marketer is not going to do very well if your product or your message are not landing for your audience. Once you, like you, the business owner who intimately understands what you're offering, once you've got that formula, then you can just like add steam and add, add paid ads and it will just explode. But in the beginning, you kind of got to go along that journey and kind of be your own marketing director. Now, that said, you can get support. You can get a marketing coach. You can get someone like Lisa, who's very good at messaging. Um, or you can do something like Catalyst, where you get the skills and the techniques to become your own marketing director and refine your product and your audience and your messaging. Um, so I guess to sum that up, it's like pre and post product market fit. Pre product message market fit, you just got to bite the bullet and get better. I, I, I'm sorry to give you the hard truth, but you kind of like, because people don't want to be business people, they want to just be practitioners. That's the dream. But if you really want to scale it, you have to get good at business. You got to get good at marketing and you got to get good at sales, but you don't have to do it alone. And it doesn't have to be painful. It can actually be quite rewarding and satisfying when you have the right models and the right community to work with. Um, Ellie said, this is good product message, marketing fit mm. mission to refine. Exactly. Mission to refine mm. and to give yourself permission to be where you're at. Yeah. And then once you've got that, once you've got that, you basically you're at a point where you can pay yourself a salary and you might even have some left over to invest in the marketer. Um, and that's when you start hiring the team and, and investing in ads. Yeah, I love that. I think, I think what you just said there around, there is a level of experimentation when it comes to content and there is a level of refining that's going to happen. 
and you've got to be patient with yourself during that day and know that keep learning and tweaking it will it will lock it will it, you'll crack the code and then that's like you said then you can pour petrol on the fire or whatever peaceful metaphor you used <laughs> yeah poor poor doves doves with metaphors poor just... sunshine and rainbows <laughs> into your heart yeah and um yeah. yeah, thank you. I'll just, I'll share one more piece for the people who are like, oh God, I have to become my own marketer. Um, entrepreneurship is like an incredible pathway to create the lifestyle that you want. You can choose your time. You can choose your, you know, when, when you get there, when you've got that fit, it's amazing. And it's the reason, part of the reason why we're drawn to entrepreneurship, but if it was easy and it could just happen like that, then everyone would be an entrepreneur and then the job wouldn't exist. So we do the things that most people don't do to get the results that people, most people don't have. So yes, it's challenging and yes, it's also really rewarding. So if it feels like the path that you're called to stick in it and, and stay with it and mm. over the long run, it will pay off. Give yourself permission to take the time that you need in order to get there. And thank you for running this through Ash so that you know people can do this in community because I think like you said it's really important to keep going in community. Yeah. Okay. That's it. Thanks for your time, Lise. Thanks for listening, everybody. Bye bye. Bye everyone.